The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Yeah, we're on schedule. Had a bonus Bunyard yesterday. Three days in a row. You guys are probably going to be tired of me. We'll take tomorrow off. It's Thursday. And um, we'll go play a ball game. We're going to go win a ball game. How, about, how does that sound? We're going to go win a ball game. We'll speak that into existence. I feel really good about the game. I know many of you do as well uh two good teams for sure you know, there have been some uh some matchups in the last several years where either we both haven't been very good or one of us has been good and, and it's been really been mississippi state's been a better team you know the last five years but uh, the reality of it is is this is a good matchup and this is a game that either team could win you don't look at it there's some games you look at and say yeah you know we're 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 really good here like kind of like yesterday we talked about the Ole Miss running game, that's a strength-on-strength strength deal with State's rush defense. But there are some matchups you look at and say, hey, you know what, this is going to be a, a lopsided affair just because it's not a good matchup for one team. But this is a very, very interesting matchup. Uh, it got a little more interesting today. I don't know if you guys are aware. Maybe you are. A lot of people have reached out to me and asked questions. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about this. I can only share with you what, what's been reported, you know, our sister site, uh, the Ole Miss side on 247 inside the Rebels, uh, Dave Johnson doing a good job for us over there. You know, Dave has shared some things uh, about this. I don't know who initially broke the story, but Caden Costa, a kicker from Ole Miss, apparently is uh, suspended for the ballgame. Don't know how long that's going to last. He's a freshman. And he's a guy that was uh, highly recruited and has had a really good year at Ole Miss this year. I mean, an outstanding year, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you look at these numbers and you, you kind of like, wow, you know, it's uh, and we've kind of got kicker envy in some respects, I guess. But um, they've been very good this year. 14 of 17 in their field goal attempts and two of the misses uh, have been, you know, 40 plus. And then he missed one, uh, his one that was over 50. He did connect on one 50 yarder, but Inside 40 yards, Caden Costa has been automatic for Ole Miss, and it appears, if the reports can be believed, that he will not play. That's rather interesting. That's rather interesting. Now, and people, people say, well, Steve versus Smoke, there's fires, got to be more. I have absolutely no idea about any of that stuff. I just know what those guys have reported, and uh, that is significant, especially in a game like this that we expect to be very close. Uh, you know, the line on this game is just a couple points depending on what uh, what book you use. But the reality of it is, is 
It's basically another distraction. You got the Lane Kiffin stuff is kind of floating out there. And I'll share with you, too, after speaking to an agent, a friend in agent circles, I don't think Florida is really an option for Lane Kiffin, and I don't know that he's an option for them. I'm told there's not interest on either side. A lot of smoke about the Billy Napier thing, and it seems like Billy gets mentioned in connection with every SEC job and never seems to get one, but it does appear that, that this may happen. And if that does, it'll be that ripple effect, right? Right, And I shared some things on Gene's page kind of showing how I think that plays out based on the information that I have. But, yeah, there's a chance Lane Kiffin gets a job at Miami if, if it comes open. It's, it's very much a possibility. But he's going to be there Thursday night when Ole Miss plays Mississippi State. But uh, to get back to this Caden Costa thing, uh, this is a very, very, very talented kicker. And so if this comes down to like one possession, and you know, like a lot of our, our fans are very intelligent. So you know what? That just means that on – you know, fourth and short and plus territory, they'll just go for it. They probably were going to go for it anyway. But now you look at it and say, oh, yeah, hey, there's not much of a decision to be made anymore. And uh, Caden Costa, again, been very good this year, 82.35% uh, on his kicks. And you look at the kickoffs, he's kicked off 72 times, 19 touchbacks. So not a ton of touchbacks when you look at it by percentage. So there could be a chance for some return stuff. Cole Nation is expected to be the kicker in the event that Caden Costa is unavailable, as reported. Uh, Kale Nation, a guy from Madison Central, walk-on kicker there. He's had four kickoffs this year. None of them have been touchbacks, and he's about four yards shorter in his average kick than Caden Costa is. Costa 59 yards, uh, doing a good job for them. This is 55 for Kell Nation, excuse me, I apologize to the Nation family there for getting that incorrect. I know how important that is to get people's names correct. But uh, that could be a factor, not just the field goal aspect of it, but also the kickoff aspect of it, uh, especially in a return game. So now some of those kicks that ordinarily might have been touchbacks, now you look at it and say, well, now we've got a chance to return it. We've got an inexperienced kicker playing in a huge ball game. A guy that's grown up in Mississippi, he understands the magnitude of the game, And perhaps maybe the anxiety of that moment shifts a little bit in his direction. That'll be interesting to see. So, again, I don't know anything else beyond that. And, again, I've got several texts and messages. A lot of people on the message boards have asked about that and say, hey, what do you know about this? Well, nothing. Nothing. I've been busy today. Had uh, had the four, four, wrote four articles today. Got to use three of them. We held one of them. I'll explain more on that in our next segment of the show. Uh, and then we had the Facebook Live. And so if you if you go to jeanspage.com, you can uh, have a good experience. But it, maybe if you're not ready to take the plunge, go to our Facebook page, which is Bulldogs247, B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G-S, Bulldogs247. And all of our free content is there, as, as well as some of our network content that is related to Mississippi State. You can go read that for free. Give our Facebook page a, a like. And occasionally I get on there and do a Facebook Live. We did one tonight for about 50 minutes kind of previewing the Egg Bowl, talking some recruiting. You can go watch that and get caught up uh, if you missed it. So, again, give our Facebook page a like, and you'll get notifications when I do go live. But Kale Nation, he is a sophomore from Madison, Mississippi, 5'10", 155 pounds. He has uh, attempted one PAT and missed it and has had the four kickoffs. One of those 45 yards, one for 62, and then two for 114. Has not kicked in an SEC game. That's That's a big chore. I mean, it really is. And, and we, we at Mississippi State, especially this year, can fully appreciate how important good special teams play is. Because we've been very spotty this year. We were very good last year. 
This year, not so much. And it seems like every game, you know, we have a bit of a failure. Didn't so much last week. I guess we kicked a couple out of bounds, so that's not necessarily true. But, you know, the last year of Joe Moorhead, you know, we were abysmal in special teams, so maybe last year just being really good made us feel great. So that's a factor, especially being in a close ball game. So, you know, you hope for the best for everybody involved. I, you know, here's – I am I want to make sure – and I saw some things on Facebook I want to talk about today real briefly. Uh, you know, we had the Nick Fitzgerald uh, picture that made the rounds today, you know, and I don't care what anybody says. That was a deliberate act. You'll never convince me otherwise. But I, I saw some of our fans, a couple people that said, hey, maybe that'll happen to Matt Corral. Listen, I don't support any of that stuff. I mean, honestly, I don't ever want to see a player get injured. I, I just don't. You know, maybe because of the fact that, you know, my son was a college athlete. A- athlete and I just, you know, I, I think we should be above that. I want to beat people at their best. But at the same time, too, I don't care if they have to play with 10. I just want to get a win. But I don't ever want it to be because of a guy getting a, a serious injury like Nick Fitzgerald did. If you recall, I interviewed Nick for the book Stark Villains. And the uh, longest chapter in the book was about Nick and about his road to recovery and about how difficult all that was. And there were times that Nick told me that um, the biggest accomplishment of his day was being able to find a place to be comfortable where he was not in constant pain and be able to, to like plug his phone in and charge his phone and kind of sit and watch TV. That I was like, if he could get that done, if he could ever find a way to get comfortable and not be in pain and just be able to be entertained a little bit, that that day was a win. And there were some times that were some very long days for him. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Absolutely nobody. And so I just encourage you. I know a lot of that stuff is just kind of said in jest in the spirit of rivalry, but I just I think it's bad karma. I really do, and uh, don't support any of that. And it's just like what what happened with Bo Nix. I think I think we can recognize the fact that even though we want to beat Bo Nix in Auburn, and we really don't want them to play well against us, we don't want to see the guy get hurt, and then he does, and then a lot of us are like, you know, you, you hate to see that, you know, for a young man that's got so much in front of him. You hate to see that happen. You hope it's not a long uh, lasting injury. But the bottom line is is that injuries are part of football. But um, we certainly don't want to wish that on anybody. I know you guys share in that same belief. You guys are quality people. And, again, I know people don't really mean that. I hope they don't. But I think we should always be above that. After go- knowing what Nick Fitzgerald went through and how malicious all that looked, I would never wish that on anybody, ever, ever. And uh, happy to see Nick Fitzgerald out doing some, some cool things and uh, living his life. And uh, like it when Nick makes it back. Last time Nick was here, on the sidelines, I guess it was in uh, 19, that I remember, Nick's on the sidelines and uh, had his Stark Villain shirt on. It meant a lot to me. Nick means a lot to me. That guy put an awful lot into coming back and being your quarterback. It meant that much to him. He said he wasn't going to let his story in like that. He wasn't going to let that those guys get the better of him. That's how he felt about it. But uh, I, I enjoyed having a chance to tell Nick's story. And uh, if you're looking for that, you can find it at Stark Villains. And it said... Most bookstores, but you can order online at uh, Dogpile the Book or Stark Villain the Book. Stark Villains the Book. Stark Villain the Book. I can't remember. But either way, go to dogpilethebook.com. It'll take you right where you need to go, and you can order a copy of Stark Villains. Star- Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs are basically the story of the state Ole Miss rivalry told from a Mississippi State perspective. So if you're interested in reading the history between State and Ole Miss, where Mississippi State wins every chapter, then perhaps those books are for you. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. You probably already do. You're probably a raving fan of Bulldog Burger Company already. You should be. 
It's a great place to eat. It's a great place to work. So if you're looking for work, or maybe perhaps you know somebody else that is, encourage them to reach out at eatwithus.com. And while you're there, I am confident that you all know some starving college students. And you know what it's like to be in college. You know, it's like you got to really watch your Monday night sort of stuff. So you, you never really get a great night out. Maybe give a great night out to the college students in your life. Order them some Bulldog Burger Company gift cards. And you can get them for the entire family of Eat With Us restaurants in our area. And so they can kind of hop around a little bit. Maybe you put 100 bucks on that card and they can eat lunch uh, one day at the grill and the next day at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, I encourage you to do it. It's a great family of restaurants run by a great family of Bulldogs in many respects. And uh, I think it's always important to keep it in the family whenever we can. But here's the deal. Bulldog Burger Company, not just for Bulldogs. Anybody that wants a great restaurant quality hamburger can find one and have a great experience. Great portions, great food at a great price, great service, great locations. Three of those to serve you these days right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then, of course, the brand new one there on Lake Harbor Drive in the Richmond Flowood area. You'll be glad you went by. I have never left Bulldog Burger Company feeling worse than when I went in. I always have a good experience there. You will too. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump right into some recruiting stuff. There's a lot going on. It was an eventful day in Bulldog recruiting on Tuesday, even though we didn't pick up a verbal commitment. But we got some news that a trio of players, it appears, are relatively close. Now, offensive line prospect Percy Lewis has been committed to Oregon much of the process. He decommitted from Oregon on Tuesday. Now, Paul Jones and I have been forecasting that throughout the process. You know, you got a kid from McAdams uh, that's you know, grew up in Mississippi. He attends Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. And we have been projecting for some time that he would not go to Oregon. We have expected for a long time that he would sign with an SEC school. Of course, many schools were involved. But in many respects, it looked like it was going to boil down to a Mississippi State Ole Miss battle. That's still the case. Ole Miss expected him last weekend. I understand he didn't show. He uh, also has a great friend and former teammate on the Mississippi State roster, Carson Williams. Now, Percy has spent some time up here unofficially, hanging out with Carson, getting to know the players, getting to know life outside of football as a Mississippi State student athlete. I am comfortable enough today that I would say, tell you I expect him to sign with Mississippi State. Now, what does that mean for this team moving forward? Now, I think we can all agree Charles Cross is expected to go in the first round of the draft. I think that is pretty even money right now. Could go in the top ten. There are some people that suggest that Charles Cross is the number one tackle in the draft. Others have him as the second tackle in the draft. That's a premium position, so you know he'll go early. And listen, as much as he loves being a Bulldog, and he does, he really does, he's going to go. And and you know what? He needs to go. And, and Selfishly, we'd say, hey, man, you got to come back. Listen. You get a chance to go out there and make life-changing money, take care of your family, build your mom a house, you got to go do it. You do. There's not a decision to be made if you're Charles Cross, in my mind. And, of course, I don't know what's important to Charles, and I understand he's going to graduate this spring. I think that's right. But he is pretty close to earning his degree anyway. So he'll have a chance to earn his degree, enjoy a great SEC college football career, and then have a chance to go get life-changing money, uh, it's, it's not going to happen, guys. He is not going to come back. And so you've got to find somebody and so you think, okay, 
well, who do we have? Well, I don't know if we have anybody that's capable of stepping up being the left tackle next year. So then you start thinking we need an older guy. Not to say that we still won't work the portal and see if we can't find a guy to play tackle next year. Because, you know, we're losing both. Scott Lashley and Charles Cross will both be gone. Lashley, of course, will exhaust his eligibility. And Scott's been serviceable this year. And that's the thing, too, I think about, too. What if, what if Scott Lashley had been here for the entire four years? You know, he might be getting ready to make a decision about pro football. And he went to Alabama, and it's kind of a cautionary tale. He goes to Alabama, doesn't get to play, and then becomes a grad transfer, comes here, and was in the mix last year, and he got injured. And then now he's a starter in the SEC. And I remember when he decided to come back, Mason Miller had told me that he told, he told uh, Scott, he said, if I don't make you a starter, I haven't done my job. He goes, so get ready to work. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work you into being a starter. And listen, Scott's had some moments. He has. But, uh, you know, considering some of the things that, you know, look at his lack of experience, I think he's done right well. Mike Leach kind of echoed that. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we probably like to get an older tackle. So, Percy Lewis is a guy that was about 360 pounds about six months ago. I understand he's trimmed up. And, of course, Tyson Brown will make sure that he is SEC game ready. He is a guy that will be able to enroll in January and go through spring practice and compete for that left tackle spot. Now, nothing's going to be given to him. But as Mississippi State, you got to go out and address those concerns when you say, you know what, I don't know if we have a guy right now if we had to go play a football game with next year's roster that could compete at left tackle. And that's not to say there won't be some growing pains for Percy Lewis making the jump from junior college uh, to the SEC. We have seen that before. Remember Martinez Rankin was the number one offensive tackle in the junior college ranks, and then he redshirted his first year here. And part of that, too, is John Hevesy had told him, if you don't start, you're redshirting. So we're not going to burn a year of eligibility when you get mop-up time. That proved to be a very good decision. Martinez Rankin, of course, wins the, the whole trophy. Charles Cross followed in his footsteps and won it earlier this week, too. But I, I just get the, fence, the, the sense that Percy Lewis is a guy, because of this scheme, it's a little bit easier. And because of his mass, I think he can translate a little quicker than maybe Martinez did. And Martinez, one of my favorite Bulldogs in that era, got it really, really worked hard and uh, worked his way into a professional football future. But Percy Lewis is a guy now that we feel comfortable. Uh, I believe Paul has already followed me with a crystal ball. I believe that's correct. I think, Or maybe Paul might have even beat me with a punch there. But I believe we both have him crystal balled now to Mississippi State. I think that's a matter of time. He will take an official visit to Starkville in the early part of December, expected to sign on December the 15th. So we'll see. But listen, it's not Ole Miss is not going to quit, and nor should they. I mean, you've still got, you know, the better part of uh, 25 days to kind of figure this thing out. So uh, they'll have some in-home visits. They'll do their best to try to get him to officially visit them. And we'll watch that. We'll be covering that. In Gene's page, this is a great time of year to be a member because uh, there's a lot that goes on. We cover the in-home visits. We, you know, we cover the official visits. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time – We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. 
Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? Well, you absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. It's going to be a very busy weekend December 3rd and I believe that's the weekend Percy's coming in okay so Xavier Thomas touched on this a little bit earlier in the week but I got a message over the weekend from somebody let's just say close to Xavier Thomas it said hey this guy's fixing to be Bulldog now Sonny Ship from our LSU site of course uh, very familiar with Xavier Thomas Xavier Thomas attends John Eric High School down there in Marrero Louisiana which is a suburb of New Orleans And so this is a young man that has attended camps at LSU. At LSU this year, unofficially, he ran like a 4-3-40. Now, his 100-meter track times don't really match up with that, and I can't really explain that, you know, but I will say the 100-meter times are laser-timed, and he's right there like at 11 flat. That's still fast. It's not elite, but it's fast. But there are some people that are maybe a little bit better in shorter distances, and not to mention we'll see what his track times are. 
this spring. You know, he could be a guy that maybe he's running, you know, 10-7, 10-8. What to see. But the reality of it is, if you turn on his film, there is fast and there is football fast. He is absolutely football fast. He is a guy that can really play. Somebody asked me, and I put it in an article that will come once he finally commits, who does he remind you of? And I don't know if it's because he wears number one. I don't think it is. He reminds me a little bit of Chad Bumpus because he is so light on his feet. You know how Bump's a guy that can kind of spin out of trouble, kind of absorb contact, and uh, have maintain a good balance and extend the play? That's exactly what I see with Xavier Thomas. I think that he is a guy that would be a great get for this offense. Uh, he's a guy that's really fired up and really pumped up about the probabilities and the possibilities here at Mississippi State. I think he's a guy, too, that could help us maybe break in the New Orleans a little bit, too. He's a guy that's very well thought of in the state of Louisiana, uh, has a lot of friends, a lot of connections down there. And so as a result, you know, maybe you take this guy, and the next time you go back in down to the Crescent City, this is a guy that hosts a kid on the official visit and can maybe could help us get in the door with some guys down there with a little bit of regularity. So he's going to now announce on Thanksgiving. There was talk he might do it on Sunday, then on Tuesday, but now he's saying publicly on Thursday. Now, he had originally said on his Twitter account it was going to be today, Tuesday at 3.30. Late notice, he pushes it back. I understand it's going to be like a family celebration, so that'll take place on Thursday. We fully expect him uh, to pick Mississippi State, and that will give you three wide receivers in the class. Of course, you've got Jim Norris Hobson out of Horn Lake, and then you've got Marquez Dorch out of George County. Some pretty good building blocks to work with there. And now you're beginning to add these guys. And this is this is the evidence of the air raid. The air raid has been implemented. The air raid is now being successful. So now you're beginning to attract some receivers that perhaps weren't quite as interested in you before. That's exciting. Now, I got a message earlier today about Caden Pope. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, too. I really thought that ship had sailed. I like Caden Pope a lot. Matter of fact, I had somebody message me about a year ago that lives up in Savannah, Tennessee, that is very familiar with Hardin County High School football. That's a 4A classification in the state of Tennessee. Still a really big school. Um, it said, hey, we're hearing up in town that Caden Pope is about to commit to Mississippi State. So I get back with them, kind of share some information, uh, do some checking with some other folks, and it appears that there is some truth to this. Now, there was talk he may commit as early as Wednesday. Now, what I'm told is this is going to be another family celebration. There's some family coming in from out of town. I don't know if they plan to do a video or go live or whatever. But he is going to delay his decision a day or so until that, that out-of-town family gets there. This is another electric receiver. Now, this is another 5'10", 5'11", 6-foot type guy. And people say, well, Steve, you know, we're, are you concerned about the size of these receivers? Well, no, I'm not, because we really prioritized size last year in the class. You know, Antonio Harmon, Jacoby Moore, Makai Polk, for that matter. And so this year, it looks like we're kind of getting some more speed, maybe some more dynamic runners after the catch. But I feel really good where state stands. I mean, point, quite simply, point blank, I combined the two phrases. Somebody said, hey, he's fixing to commit to Mississippi State. And so it makes sense for, to me that we should feel some confidence in that. Again, this is the same individual that reached out to me and said, hey, there's a great receiver from our area that is getting some interest from Mississippi State. 
And so I set up a profile page, went and watched his huddle, and I was impressed. And I'll be honest with you, when Tennessee offered him, I said, well, that's where he'll end up. That's where he's going to go. And you look at that offense, Tennessee's running with, uh, you know, with Hypel up there. It kind of makes sense. And I don't know what happened, but apparently some things have changed. We had him in for an official visit earlier this year, and I interviewed him after the visit, and he was still relatively confused. And that's kind of the job of recruiters, right? And leading into the visit, I think he was leaning Tennessee's way, and he came out of the visit, and I think he was just unsure. Not to say that State had taken a lead, but I think your staff had done a good enough job of kind of selling him on the experience. So he said, you know what, maybe I need to think a little bit longer about that. Well, it looks like he's done thinking. And I think we can feel really good about the fact that um, Caden Pope looks like he's going to be a Bulldog. And I did not see that coming. That's one of the best things about covering recruiting is like a lot of times you get a surprise and it's of the negative variety. Like I've never gone to a press conference where I didn't know the outcome before I went. I don't get in the car unless I know for sure. There's only been one that I knew for sure that I didn't go, and that was the Jeffrey Simmons press conference just because I didn't want it to be a circus. It's Jeff's moment. I didn't want the focus to be on me. And, and there were some people that on the, on the Ole Miss media side back when all that was going on that uh, might have said something. And, I, and you know, I, I can't promise you that I wouldn't have said something back, even though I wouldn't have wanted to, but I might have. Sometimes I'm a bit of a loose cannon. Maybe you've heard. I said, you know what, I don't want to go up there and be a distraction for anybody's moment, so we'll wait. And I talked to Jeff afterwards. We did an interview, and it worked out this is good. But this is one of those, a Caden Pope thing, where it's like you kind of have moved on, and next thing you know, you're getting a message. And it, it doesn't really register at first because you think, hey, wait a minute. I've become so invested in my own narrative, in my own opinion, that this guy's going to go to Tennessee. So I don't know if Tennessee has moved on. I don't know if perhaps maybe Tennessee has filled a spot. I don't know maybe if the kid has decided, you know what, I don't want to go to Tennessee. Don't know any of that stuff. But what I do know today is that Mississippi State's in a good position with him. So I don't expect Percy Lewis to commit this week, even though he decommitted. You know, we went through that last a couple weeks ago where Marquez Dortch decommitted from Ole Miss one day, committed to Mississippi State the next. So I don't know Percy Lewis's time frame. I suspect he'll wait until he takes his official visit or visits. But these other two could be in the Bulldog boat this week. So we'd have a lot to be thankful for, have a chance to pick up two quality receivers. And, and let me run down some numbers for you real quick on these guys, just because I, there are a lot of you guys, I know they're kind of casual fans of recruiting until we kind of get to this point. And you start thinking, well, Steve, I don't really – I don't follow recruiting year-round. I'm not one of those recruit nicks. And so I, I get it. I understand. But now that we're getting closer to signing day, because December 15th it'll be here, you start asking yourself, well, who's State going to get? Well, let me just tell you, let's run down this Caden Pope thing. Rated 86.8, a three-star standout according to 247 Sports. Memphis was a factor with this guy too in that offense, closer to home, right? But he has offers, he visited us September 24th, but offers Memphis, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Auburn, and did he officially visited Memphis, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. So he still has two visits left to take. Auburn, Arkansas, Arkansas State, Boston College, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Duke, Indiana, Kentucky, Liberty, Michigan, Middle Tennessee State, Ole Miss, Purdue, Tennessee State, UAB, Utah, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech, and Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, a good variety of offers there. He's got about 25 of them, and a lot of them are of the Power 5 variety. So, this is obviously a guy that has some real juice and some real interest. Uh, I love it. I think this is a great get for State, and I think you guys will love him too. 
one of those things I think about too, it's like there are some doors on the wide receiver side of things that are open to us that weren't open before because we were a run-first offense. We used to always say, well, I don't understand why we can't throw the football. It's kind of that chicken and egg thing, right? It's like, well, we run a run-first offense. We want to get better receivers. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, under the Dan Mullen scheme at times, we were kind of perimeter blockers that kind of caught the ball to keep the defense honest. But this is an offense now where things are much different. While, while we may not get blue-chip running backs with regularity, even though we're doing okay, we should be able to track receivers. So we're kind of seeing the evidence of that, uh, you know, right now. We saw it in the last class. And I don't ever count Dave Nickel and Steve Spurrier out. I, I don't. I, I think those guys uh, are great recruiters. You know, people forget Steve Spurrier Jr. was part of that group that's, that signed Jadavion Clowney uh, and Alshon Jeffrey at South Carolina. And, you know, South Carolina is kind of like us. They have, their recruiting numbers are actually a little bit better than us. But I, I think you're going to see us get a little closer to them. But looking at this, uh, you know, this profile for Xavier Thomas, he's an 86-2, a three-star standout. And um, all the crystal ball picks are for Mississippi State. Former Louisville commitment. So we had offers from Mississippi State, Louisville, UL Monroe, Liberty, Louisiana, McNeese State, Memphis, Nickel State, Southern Miss, Southern University, and Tulane. So primarily, he's got a lot of G5 stuff. His only other Power 5 offer is uh, Louisville. But I think when you look at at his film, and you should, I think you're going to be impressed. I think you're going to look at him and say, you know what? This is a good get for us. He fits what we want to do at wide receiver. And I'll be honest with you, if Leach and Steve Spurrier and Dave Nickel want receivers, I want them too because they know a whole lot more about this passing game than either of us do. And so we could add two very capable pass catchers and give us four in the class. We originally expected to sign two, and then there was talk we might do three. And uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. told me one time uh, several months ago, he goes, he goes into every year thinking, you know, you're going to have some attrition just because of the transfer portal. That, that, that's a relatively new development. But he says, you know, you have guys that are on your roster that don't get to play, so you expect that, and that's just made that much easier. So you have to kind of go out and recruit over your numbers, where if you're thinking, okay, we've we got to have two, and you start thinking, well, we may have a guy leave, so now we've got to get three, so you probably need to recruit for four just to be on the safe side. And like we did last year, I mean, you go out and sign Simeon Price and we make him a running back, you know. So uh, that's a good a good philosophy in our scheme because, you know, the running backs are such a key component of the passing game. So I like these new developments. I think you guys will as well. And if you were members of Gene's page, you kind of got the news as it broke today. It's gotten people excited. Now, let me go ahead and prepare you for this now. And I said this on yesterday's show. We're trending – really well with a lot of prospects, but we are not going to get everybody. We're not. We're not. And I know it's going to be disheartening because, like, like, we'll have nine guys that we're chasing and we'll get eight and everybody be, be focused on the one we didn't get. Oh, my gosh, Steve, what happened here? You know, I'm just going to tell you, you got to go ahead and roll with the punches. We're going to have a really good class. Got a shot to be top 20. I think it's pretty much a certainty we'll be top 25. But um, feel really good about where we set. But we're not going to get everybody. Your favorite player may go elsewhere. You need to be prepared for that. That's the thing about recruiting. Nobody ever just dominates. The closest we ever came to dominating the in-state, I believe it was the class of 2015. You know, that's the Jamal Peters, Leo Lewis, Mark McLaurin class. And, like, the only guy of note that we didn't get was really Armani Linton. I think he was the only guy in the top 20 that we were chasing that we didn't get. If it had been a boxing match, they'd have stepped in and stopped it. I mean, it was incredible. 
But Ole Miss is going to get some kids that we want. Happens every year. Like Larry Simmons is a guy that committed very, very early and surprised a lot of people. And he's flirted with State a little bit. And there have been some changes down there on the Gulf Coast with Ole Miss recruiting. Don't know if they dropped those kids. Don't know if the kids decided, you know what, I want to go somewhere else. Just You don't know. You'll know for sure. You hear things, but you don't know for sure. But I think Larry Simmons is going to stick. But, you know, it's, sometimes they just like the other guys more. It's like there's sometimes we all just, oh, you know, well, there's got to be something, some malfeasance here. It's got to be something afoot. That's not always the case. It's like a lot of these guys grow up in the state of Mississippi, just like me or you. They got 18 years to figure this out. And they said, you know what, hey, I've always wanted to go up there. And, you know, maybe some of these guys, too, that they, they grew up kind of accustomed to watching A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and think, you know what, hey, if it was good enough for them, it could be good enough for me. It's not always dirty. I know it's, that, that's funner to talk about, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes they just like the other opportunity better. It's the same thing here. It's like there are a lot of kids that Ole Miss fans really want that come here, and just because they choose us doesn't mean that anything improper happened. Sometimes they just like us better. Doesn't matter how hard you work. Doesn't matter how many graphics you send. Doesn't matter you know, how much you wind and dine them on a visit. Sometimes it's just not enough. Because there are some cultural differences between State and Ole Miss. And I submit to you that a person that, that favors the Ole Miss culture would never be happy here, and vice versa. And so you just got to understand that there's going to be some guys that we're chasing that we're not going to get. And not just this year, but next year and the next year and the next year and every year for eternity. As long as they have college football recruiting, you know, until we go to a draft, right, you're going to lose some guys. And it, it won't always make sense to you because you hold Mississippi State in such high esteem, right? Like, how could anybody ever pick them over us? You know, you just get incredulous and you just think to yourself, how could this ever happen? You know, sometimes there are guys that just aren't Mississippi State kids, and that's not bad. It's not good. It's not even indifferent. That's just how it is. So understand from the get-go, there are going to be some guys we're not going to get. And I'm not just trying to warm you up to give you bad news later. I'm just trying to prepare you for the fact that there are going to be a lot of positives between now and December 15th, and there's going to be a, probably a couple negatives. That's just kind of how things work. And then what happens is, like, there are a lot of people that don't follow recruiting – and then when a kid, quote, decommits, and sometimes they get dropped, they get processed out, or they don't make the grades, then all of a sudden somebody will screenshot it, run to the Facebook groups, you're like, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, maybe if you subscribe to Gene's page, you wouldn't have to ask that question. Because, you, know, you know, it's very rare that we get surprised by that sort of stuff. It happens occasionally. We're not perfect. If we were, we'd be on a college staff somewhere, right? If I was batting 1,000, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you guys, and how sad would that be? But the reality of it is is that um, – you know, a lot of times we see this stuff coming, and then thankfully there's always a Gene's Page subscriber that'll jump in that thread and say, "Yeah, this, this was this was expected. We knew this was going to happen." And so don't be caught up in the the chaos of being the casual fan. Go ahead and sign up, become a Gene's Page, and you can get all your questions answered uh, right then and there by our experts. Let's thank our good friends at CloseTheBlair.com. Yeah, Blair Chandler just recently bought a Stark Villain uh, hoodie, and then he sent me a picture of him wearing it, and said he wore it around some of his Ole Miss friends. And he said he felt more handsome than ever. And I, listen, Blair's a pretty guy, man. When he put that Stark villain shirt on, you know what happened. He got better looking. He did. I know he did. I know this. Blair, a mortgage professional too, guys. Blair has a good time. He does. He's a good guy. Uh, likes a lot of music that I don't like. But listen, that doesn't matter when you're trying to get your mortgage refinanced. You just want somebody that can do a great job and do it as inexpensively as possible, right? Well, that's Blair. 
Many of you are just thinking, just give me in the house, man. And that's what Blair can do. Top 1% close ratio in the nation. Works for fairway mortgage, not some fly-by-night, some prime lender. This is a guy that's a professional working for a professional organization will do a professional job for you. He tells me rates are going to be going up, and, you know, everything else is going up, right? Prices are going up. Gas is going up. Commodities are going up. It's only a matter of time before the interest rates go up as well. So take advantage of these lower rates right now. Maybe refinance your home, get your equity working for you. Maybe consolidate some debt, lower your overall monthly payment, and be able to save a little money, put some money in the bank. Maybe not go to bed at night worrying so much about living paycheck to paycheck. That's a good, that's a good place to be, a good way to feel. And maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you've been declined somewhere else. Give Blair a call. Reach out to him. And maybe if he can't get you approved now, he can tell you what he can do later. He can help you get a plan. This is a guy that knows what he's doing. 21 years of experience in the mortgage industry. Let me give you his personal cell number. And uh, Blair's not going to mind if you share it with anybody else. But he likes to do business with Bulldogs. You should too. He wanted you guys to have it. You can call or text him today. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. It's not going to be just a flashing light on a voicemail that he sits behind while he's uh, you know, surfing Facebook. This guy's a professional. And if you mention to him that you heard about him on the Boneyard, you know what he's going to do? He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's 500 bucks, Right? 500 bucks. And, you know, after they finance that, you know, you add a little more to it. So anytime that you can save a little, little cash, it's great. And just by being one of our listeners and mentioning to him, that you're a Boneyard listener, he's going to cut you the Ken Folks deal. All right, so top 10 list. I told you, Roy didn't think I could do this. And uh, Roy is a good friend of mine, but sometimes Roy underestimates me. You know, Roy lives up there, you know, in DeSoto County, and you know, he thinks he's got it all figured out. Um, and so here's how this all kind of plays out. Like, I'll come up with ideas, and Roy, like, sometimes he'll say, hey, man, that's not in my wheelhouse, or I've never heard of this band, and I know many of you are the same way. You're going to know all these bands today. Well, maybe not. You're going to know most of these artists today. But I figured since it's Thanksgiving Eve, let's do a Thanksgiving-themed top 10 list, right? So these are not necessarily going to be ranked by the quality of the song. I'm just going to give you 10 songs about Thanksgiving food. How about that? How about that? And, and Roy didn't think it could be done, so here we go. Number 10, one of the great, great, great R&B bands from years ago. I can, I can promise you this. Uh, you know, many of you, you probably heard your mom listening to the Ohio Players as she cleaned the house on Saturday morning, right? You woke up and there's the smell of pancakes and bacon and there's Ohio Players on the radio or the 8-track. I went with Jive Turkey, man. How do you not do it? Jive Turkey. That's your number 10 song. Number nine, we went with The Godfather, man. The Godfather of Soul, James Brown. Some of you already know what's coming, and you're exactly right. It's Do the Mashed Potatoes. It's a short song, but it's kind of James Brown in his quintessential form. What a fabulous entertainer James Brown was. It's like, you know, like everybody loved James Brown. How many times? We all watch Rocky Four, right? And when he sang Coming to America, you know, that was Apollo Creed's walkout. For the, you know, it's like everybody loved it. And how many people do that? I feel good thing. You know, it's like I see the little TikTok things where people play that and people panic. But first time James has appeared, him and the Ohio players both, first time they've appeared on top 10 lists. So there you go. Do the mashed potatoes. Number eight, we're going country here. Because if you got mashed potatoes, what are mashed potatoes without gravy? We'll thank Tim McGraw for that. 
Tim McGraw is bringing the gravy to our Boneyard Thanksgiving celebration. Thank you, Tim. Married a Mississippi girl. Clearly has a good head on his shoulders. Spend some time in Mississippi, too. I've had some people tell me, people that know, uh, you know, faith in the family, said, hey, they, you know, they're here a lot. And it's not uncommon for them to, you know, just go, go out and eat. Tim McGraw, good old, good old Southern boy. Like, like, I like Tim McGraw. I do. I know many of you think, well, you know, no, I like Tim McGraw. And I loved him in uh, Friday Night Lights. Fabulous. Fabulous acting. When I first heard he was going to be in that movie, I was like, well, how's this going to work? Incredible. All right, number seven. I'm from South Mississippi, so I don't know how they do it up north. But you can't have a big meal at Grandma's house without some collard greens. We're going rapidus when we're going schoolboy Q. How about that? You weren't expecting that, and many of you said, Steve, I'm surprised you know that. Well, the truth of the matter is I didn't know it. But when I was putting this list together, I found a couple songs about collard greens, and I like that one the best. So we'll thank Schoolboy Q for bringing the collard greens to our table. Number six, going country again. We're going Blake Shelton, and you're probably in your mind, you're thinking, what? where's he going with this? We're going corn, man. We're going corn. Blake's going to make sure that we have the, uh, the Mazzola. Good stuff. Number five, what is Thanksgiving without some sweet potatoes? Whether it be sweet potato pie. And you know, sometimes you have that sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top. I don't even like sweet potatoes, but I'll eat that. I don't really like sweet potato pie, but I'll eat sweet potato casserole. It's weird how it works. I am a riddle wrapped inside an enigma when it comes to that sort of stuff. Like I like fajitas, but I don't like onions. It's weird. My sweet potato, and that's going to be an instrumental by Booker T and the MGs. Again, some old school R&B. We wouldn't be right if we didn't have some Americana music represented on this list. I mean, of course, Thanksgiving is an American holiday. It is. You know, we've made our peace with the American Indians for the most part, and uh, we shared a meal together. I don't know how much of that's legend. I don't know how much of that's true. But uh, this song is kind of kind of tongue in cheek. But it's from a great Americana band, and uh, I think my friend uh, Blake Dees for turning me on to these guys. He sent me one of their songs, uh, and I loved it. And I, matter of fact, I listened to about 20 of their songs tonight when I was working. But it's Cornbread by the Band of Heathens. If you don't know the song Hurricane by Band of Heathens, I listen to it every time a hurricane's coming. Uh, it is fabulous. And um, there's what, the Junction Street Station... There's so many great songs by them, but we're going cornbread, and uh, it's not necessarily about cornbread, but I'm a cornbread dressing guy. It's not stuffing at my house. I'm from the South. It's dressing. I don't know how you could have Thanksgiving without cornbread dressing. I don't. I don't want to know why people put onions in there, but, you know, uh, I think there's something in Leviticus that forbids people from putting onions in cornbread i mean excuse me in cornbread dressing and and uh, potato salad and i think you're going to have to answer for that uh at some point in your existence so get cornbread band of heathens that's number four i couldn't find a song about cranberries so i thought let's go with a cranberry song right and you're probably thinking let's go with zombie but you know i don't know if i want to rock out at the dinner table so i went with linger do you have to let it linger you know, it kind of reminds me like the airing of grievances, you know, for Festivus. It's like, you know, do we have to let all this stuff just kind of hang in the air? Can we just move on? Linger by the Cranberries, number three on the list. Number two, a band that I was somewhat unfamiliar with, but I kind of dig it. Not going to lie. It's not really my cup of tea, but I think you'll like it. Roy's going to be searching like crazy to put this on there. But it's, it's sweet tea because we're going to wash this whole thing down with sweet tea. And it's Craven Melon. 
I really like those guys. I do. Again, it's, they've got a unique sound. They're kind of country. And there's almost a little bit of hint of reggae and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's an interesting, interesting presentation. Sweet tea from Craven Melon. But number one, what is Thanksgiving without great desserts? We talked about sweet potatoes earlier, and I told you I don't eat sweet potato pie, so we're not going to have that at the table. You're going to have to just learn to live with it. We're going to have some apple pie, though. I could have gone pecan pie, could have gone chocolate pie, could have gone cherry pie. I went, went apple pie. I'm going back to a time of music that was really kind of interesting, and it's a band called White Trash because we're going to have a White Trash Thanksgiving. Apple pie by White Trash. And so there's like horns, and there's funk, and there's rock, and it's kind of a fusion-type group. They never really took off, sadly, but the song Apple Pie is outstanding. So there you go. That's our Thanksgiving Day celebration, music style, the top 10 list. If you guys have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. Uh, we're going to do one of Roy's picks on Friday. I know some of you guys have sent me some stuff, uh, but Roy has been on me. Roy is like this. Roy nags a little bit. He does. He's like, oh, when are we going to do this one? When are we? And, and, and so I have to do it every once in a while because Roy does this. You know, I don't pay him. And so Roy does this because he loves the show and loves the top ten list. And he had this crazy idea. And I'd always thought about, man, what if we just, like, kept these lists in one, one place? Then I was thinking, well, you could publish them on Gene's page. But, like, without the songs to listen to, it seemed kind of pointless. So Roy decided, hey, we'll put them on Spotify. And then our good friend Izzy for all of you guys that are not on Spotify, your Apple Music people, he attaches the list to Apple Music. And so you can go download that playlist. So if you're driving to Grandma's house today, uh, let me tell you, the kids probably don't need to be in the car on a couple of these songs. At least uh, at least when you get the collard greens, maybe you don't let the kids listen to that. The rest of them, you're good. The rest of them, you're good. But there we go. So we'll do one of Roy's on Friday, and uh, hopefully that's a day that we're celebrating an Egg Bowl victory. That's the thing about this game. You just never know what to expect. You think you know. You know, because like in 2017, we were a huge favorite in that game, and we lose. We did. And we lost Nick Fitzgerald, too. Cost us an Outback Bowl bid. Possibly could have been in the uh, Citrus Bowl that year. Didn't work out for us. We didn't have things fall our way. And then, of course, we weren't a great bowl team in the eyes of many people because Dan Mullen was gone, Nick was gone. So you got an interim coach and a backup quarterback playing, you know, so it's like, well, we don't want to send them there. So we got stuck going to the Gator Bowl. And you know what we did? We won the ball game anyway. Let me give you a quick story about that. Let me give you a quick story about that ball game. So my friend, DJ Looney, may God rest his, bless his soul. May he rest in peace. Known DJ Looney since he was 16 years of age. Died way too young. And I'm thankful that he was my friend as an adult. As he moved on from Mississippi State, began his coaching career. Of course, he was at East Mississippi Community College. Then he was at Central Arkansas. And um, wound up back at Mississippi State. And uh, when we lost that Egg Bowl, and then Dan Mullen, of course, got the job. Didn't take DJ with him. And DJ was hurt. He really was. DJ had worked exceptionally hard, helped put some great recruits together in that class. And then DJ wasn't retained by Joe Moorhead. And he was hurt. He was. And I was hurting for him. He got the job at UL Lafayette. Billy Napier and those guys really did a good job with him. 
and DJ, because of his big personality, really fit in well down there, and they loved him. And to know DJ Looney is to love him, and many of you loved him as well. And maybe you didn't know him as well as I did, but he was special to you, and he should have been. But that week, despite the fact that DJ was, was hurt and bitter, he goes, you know what, Steve, we're going to win this ball game for these kids. He said, we're going to work like crazy. And he worked tirelessly. Many of those guys that had no idea where their next job was going to come from, they worked and worked and worked for Mississippi State and for your players to prepare them to go play Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner. And they worked and they worked and they worked. And Greg Knox did a great job, who's Greg's got a chance to go 3-0 as an interim coach. Now he's interim coach at Florida. But DJ put his own personal feelings and his personal hurt aside to go represent his alma mater because he said Mississippi State deserved better and those players deserved better. And one of the most endearing images of that celebration is once it went final is DJ Looney running onto the field with both fists in the air because Mississippi State had won a ball game. Those players who were so confused and felt thrown and cast aside had won a game that nobody gave them a chance to win. We didn't even sell them any tickets. A lot of people quit on the Bulldogs, but DJ didn't quit on the Bulldogs. And DJ always wanted to come back. He always hoped at some point he could come back. He always hoped that he would get the opportunity to come back and work at Mississippi State as an on-the-field coach. Never got the opportunity, unexpected heart attack, died doing what he loved. But I wanted to share that with you because I'm thankful that DJ Looney was my friend. And even though I was much older than him, whenever there was anything going on at Mississippi State, no matter where he was working, no matter what was happening, he would call, hey, what's going on with this? because he cared about what was happening at Mississippi State, because he loved Mississippi State. And he loved the fact that Mississippi State gave him an opportunity, gave him a chance to have a life and have a career and have a chance to go get his education and then use his experience here at Mississippi State to become a professional football coach on the college level, to make a living doing what he loved. And the guy died doing what he loved, and he died with Mississippi State in his heart. And so I don't want to get all sad today, and I want you to get sad today, but I just thought about that as we're recording the show, and I wanted to share that with you because I love DJ. And that was one of the most difficult things as an adult to go through is to have to explain that to my children because I want to share something else with you. When uh, – give me just a second. All right, I think I got it together now. So when my oldest son, Ani, moved to Conway, Arkansas, which is where UCA is uh, – DJ reached out, was so excited, and said, hey, I see Ani's moving to Conway. And so it's like, he's like, hey, here are the best school districts. Here's where you need to eat. Don't eat here. Don't live there. He was like a tour guide. And then a little bit later, you know, when, uh, when, when Ani and Betsy were pregnant with, uh, with our grandchild, Vivi, we had some problems. They did. They had some problems. And uh, she was really small. We were concerned that it might not work out. And then um, DJ of his own volition, text Ani to just say, hey, it's all going to be okay. If you need anything, you let me know. And he didn't owe that to us. He didn't. That's just the kind of person that he was. 
And so I wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's important. I'm a firm believer is that while people are not physically with us, as long as we keep their memory alive, in many respects, they're alive too. And so I think a lot about his parents this time of year, his mom, Sarah, how wonderful she is. His dad, of course, uh, you know, a chef. You know, they're very, very talented and wonderful people. And I think about them having to celebrate without him. And it's like, it's just like the song, uh, you know, One More Light from uh, Lincoln Park. I mean, now they've got one more chair than they need. And it breaks my heart. It really does. But I wanted to remember him today just because of the fact that I think that DJ is one of those people that would be so incredibly proud of Mississippi State. And he would be so proud of all of you. He would be so tickled about the Egg Bowl coming up. And, I, and that's the thing, one of the things that I miss is like those phone calls that I would get, hey, big dog, we're going to win the game? What's going on? We're going to win the game? How's, how's the team look? Is everybody healthy? Because he cared so much. And that's the thing doing this job. It's like there's, there's so many things in life you can't put a price tag on. That's one of them is getting to know these people and getting to know their families and then having relationships with them after they leave because they're important to you. And I think about that, you know, and I don't want to you know, wax all, you know, poetic today. You know, I thought about Cecil Hurt passing away today too. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I thought about writing something, but I don't know that it's really my place to do it. There's so much out there that from people that knew him a lot better than I did. But I, you know, I grew up reading Cecil Hurt. And, uh, you know, Cecil Hurt was an icon in the SEC media. He was. And it was almost like he was like the welcome wagon at Alabama. It's like when you go over there to cover a ball game, it's it, you know just kind of a rite of passage. You know, Cecil Hurt comes up, hey, how you doing? You know, always. And uh, one of the cool things I'll share with you guys too is about he never ever ever acted like a big deal, but he was. And as I read, I guess it was Aaron Suttles' article about him. He talked about you know, you meet him in person, you get to know his wit, and it's one of those things where he was larger than life in many respects. But he never acted like it. Like, he didn't have that demeanor about him, even though there was a bit of a mystique. Because, like, you think, I've read all this. And, like, from the infancy of the Internet, you know, once the Tuscaloosa Daily News went online, they were one of the first papers to make a lot of their sports stuff free. And so a lot of that was when Alabama was having some tough times. But Cecil was always the guy. It's like if there was ever anything going on in Alabama, he broke the news or his opinions were always on point, and he was always so well-sourced. And it's like you never caught him with his pants down on a story. He was always the guy. And I always was really – I aspired to be like him because I said, you know, I, I want to be that guy at Mississippi State. I want people to say, you know what, if Steve says it, it's got to have merit. And a lot of it was watching him and watching how he operated. And I was always so envious of the guy. He always seemed to have all the best sources. It's like if there was ever anything going on with Alabama, Cecil Hurt was going to have a story. And I couldn't really form an opinion about what was happening at Alabama until I read what Cecil thought. Because a lot of people go out there with these hot takes, and all of a sudden Cecil comes back with something else that's kind of diametrically opposed to their line of thinking. And one of the cool things that happened is um, yeah, I went over and covered some Alabama ball games with Mississippi State was playing. He came up and said hello. One night at Humphrey Coliseum, he was here, came to cover basketball. And uh, I looked at the seating chart, and he was actually supposed to sit a couple seats down from me. And he walked down, and I can't remember who it was. It may have been Robbie that was supposed to sit next to me. I think Robbie had a prep game to cover, something along those lines. And the seat was open. And Cecil said, hey, do you mind if I sit by you? And I was like, 
Of course. You know, I mean, I was almost a little starstruck in some respects. But, you know, you try to keep it together. You know, even when you, you meet people you admire and respect. And he sat down and he goes, I just want you to know I've always been a fan of your work. I'm like, what? You know, I didn't say that. But that's what I was thinking. He goes, Steve, you do a good job. And that is one of those compliments that I will carry with me the rest of my career because this is here's this guy that, you know, that I held in such high regard. You know, and, and you know, maybe it's something he tells everybody. I don't know. Maybe he did. But it meant something to me. And I think the SEC media core as a whole is a much different place today because of Cecil Hurt's work and now because of his absence. And so I, I send my thoughts and prayers out to everybody that uh, loves Cecil Hurt. And I know in many respects – that Alabama sports has lost their voice today. That's the thing I think about. It's like there are so many people that I grew up reading and respecting, and there are people that you, you kind of equate to the school they cover, and Cecil Hurts, you know, his dad played at Alabama, so it's not, you know, he's an Alabama guy, absolutely. But when he spoke, you knew that it was correct. And so I, I think in many respects that uh, we have lost a lot of that in our profession and uh, it's a dark day in many respects, but um, I'm just grateful to, to be able to say that I had, had the opportunity to meet the guy and to, uh, to break bread, and, and uh, even though it you know, probably wasn't the most luxurious of meals, but there is a fraternity when it comes to the, uh, the SEC media. And I don't think maybe some younger people fully appreciate it yet. They will later, because I didn't in the beginning. But there are some people you just kind of get in the habit of seeing you know, it's like every time I've got friends at Alabama, I've got friends at Auburn, and sometimes the only time I see them or hear from them is when the Bulldogs are getting ready to play them. And uh, it's always good to get reacquainted, and it kind of makes me sad to know that next time we go to Tuscaloosa, uh, Cecil won't be there, at least not in person. All right, that's enough sad stuff for today. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move on and talk about some Ole Miss football stuff. And I guess that's sad too in many respects. But uh, let's talk about what happens when – Mississippi State is on offense against this Ole Miss defense. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Everybody there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Simple as that. It is not just a job for them. It's a passion. They love Mississippi State. They love all of you, and they want you to have the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merchandise. Go by and see all of their fine wares in person right off campus, thus Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town or perhaps game day is not a shopping day for you, you can visit them on the World Wide Web. Go to campusbookmart.net and you can order everything you want right there. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, bucks, absolutely incomplete. Absolutely incomplete. Love those guys at Campus Bookmark. All right, let's look at some Ole Miss stuff, too. You know, we know what we can do on offense, but let's look at Ole Miss defensively. Uh, they've got some dudes. Now, they're, they are a better defense, and I think one of the things that makes them better, you know, Sam Williams coming back. That was one. You know, Sam Williams, I thought, was their best defensive player last year. I know some other people said, well, you know, this guy maybe not. Sam Williams is a difference maker uh, for this defense, and he is a guy we're going to have to account for in every respect. Now, I expect them to move him around a lot. I don't think that they'll have him lined up across from Charles Cross a lot during that ballgame. Now, Sam got the better of Charles in a couple plays last year, and that's the thing people remember. You know, Sam Williams didn't have a great game against Mississippi State last year, but you remember the one where he put Charles Cross on skates because it made all the highlights. 
But he is that kind of guy. He's a pro. He absolutely is. Leads the team with 10.5 sacks, 13 tackles for loss, uh, 51 total tackles. The guy's a monster. Eight quarterback hurries, what I think is second on the team. This is a guy that's a problem. You got to account for him in the pre snap read every single play. You got to see where he's lining up. You got to see how he's lining up. Because uh, this guy will get after you. And if you watched the Vanderbilt game last week, they did a pretty good job with him. But there were some other times, too, that, you know, if you didn't have a quarterback quite as fleet of foot as Mike, as Mike Wright, Sam Williams would have got a sack. You know, and Will is not necessarily the most fleet of foot guy. So that's a concern. What happens, if, you know, if he gets beat on the blind side? Uh, and, you know, Will's got to get the ball out quick. Absolutely. But Sam is a guy that is a problem. There's no doubt about it. This guy is a problem. He's forced four fumbles on the year two and recovered one of them. I, I do think that he is a guy that um, could change the complexion of a ball game. I think he is a difference maker, no doubt. And I think that he will have a, uh, a pretty lengthy NFL career if he stays healthy. Now, the leading tackler on this team is uh, Chance Campbell. That's a grad transfer. They, they were really excited when they got him. And I think he has probably exceeded expectations. You know, the Ole Miss linebackers the last few years have not been very good. Now, of course, and that's one of the things, too, we always joke about, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. You know, but it's also, too, you know, familiarity also kind of kind of breeds false expectations. It's like we learn a guy's name and we think, oh, well, he's picking us. He's got to be great. Uh, Chance Campbell has been really, really good for Ole Miss. Guy's very, very active, and they needed a more active linebacker. I know they always talk about Momo Sanago. I always thought, you know, it's like, I've said this before, you know, somebody's got to make the tackle. You can say, oh, this guy's got all these tackles. You know, well, somebody has to make it. You know, everybody's got a leading score. Everybody's got a leading rusher. And I think Sonogo kind of benefited from being on a bad defense. And that's not to say he's a bad player. I just think Chance Campbell is better. I think he is a difference maker for this defense. And has really done a good job against the run. They do bring him on a blitz sometimes. Now, Ole Miss will try to get pressure with their front four. But when they bring five, Campbell is a guy that is very, very active. Nine quarterback hurries and uh, six sacks on the year and 12 tackles for loss. But this is a guy that gets off blocks, too. He's kind of a blue-collar player. He's kind of been what they've lacked. You know, you needed that guy in the middle that uh, was really kind of a workhorse, and, and he has done that. Uh, has had some big games for them, too, for sure. Also has uh, forced three fumbles and recovered all three of them. That's not a stat you see every day. But uh, you know, look at some numbers too. You know, you say, well, you know, they rack up a lot of tackles, you know, in the non-conference. And you know what? A lot of that stuff is true. It is. But this is a guy that has gotten better as the season has gone along. A lot of his tackles have come in the SEC. You know, yeah, he had to kind of get up to speed on his defensive scheme and kind of you know find his way through early on. I mean, like even against Austin P, four tackles. That's not much. Well, you get 10 against Alabama, 9 against Arkansas, 8 against Tennessee, 10 against LSU, 8 against Auburn, 10 against Liberty, 5 against A&M. Probably would have expected a little more there with playing a run-first team, and then 8 against Vanderbilt. So he has been very, very consistent down the stretch. I mean, probably the second uh, two-thirds of the season, he has been very, very active and very successful. This is a guy, too, that will be stressed a little bit by – the fact that we use our running backs in much a different way. So will he be able to get downhill quite as much? Because they're not going to run blitz, right? 
So we're going to have an opportunity to put him in a decision-making process. You know, can he get out there and cover in the flats? You know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I think he's probably a guy, too, that uh, I think they're going to probably mimic Alabama a little bit. I don't think they're going to drop eight as much. I think they're going to try to bring a lot of pressure and force us to get it out early. And Will's going to have to figure out if his read is correct. We might just go hot, hot reads the whole night. Uh, A.J. Finley, this is a guy that has been exceptional for them, too. Junior out of Mobile, Alabama, St. Paul's Episcopal High School. St. Paul's is kind of a football factory down there. Usually when you see a guy in the SEC from St. Paul, you know you've got a guy that's been coached well. This is a, a, a program that has done it year in and year out for a long time. Uh, Finley, of course, the big play of the year for him, the pick six against A&M. A&M's fighting and clawing, trying to get back in the ballgame. And then Finley picks it off, takes it back. He's got three interceptions on the year, and they've all come in recent weeks. He had two against Liberty and then a one against A&M. To go along with that pick against A&M, he eight, eight tackles. And, again, this is a guy, too, they move him around a little bit, but he is a guy that will get downhill on you some. Absolutely will. Been really good down the stretch, for sure. You, I mean, you can kind of start with Auburn. Ten tackles, 12 against Liberty, eight against A&M, and then eight against Vanderbilt. Uh, again, this is a guy very, very active. They do like to walk him down in the box. Otis Reese, you remember all the controversy last year about Otis Reese? I guess it was last year. Uh, it all kind of runs together, you know, with the COVID stuff, right? But you, Otis Reese, of course, was a transfer from Georgia. And I believe if, we, if memory and reporting is correct – Georgia opposed the transfer. And so there was all kind of stuff that was like going on behind the scenes. It took them forever to get him eligible. They finally got him eligible. And a lot of people said down the stretch, he was Ole Miss's best defender last year. Well, he's, he has not slowed down this year at all. He's, he has been exceptional uh, for them too. And that's where I think Ole Miss has a bit of a, um, an advantage in some respects. They have some veteran and athletic safeties back there that can play in the box or can play in coverage. Otis Reese could probably play linebacker, you know, in some schemes. This is a guy, again, that has no aversion to contact. He understands how to go get the football. He didn't sign with Georgia by accident, right? I mean, if Georgia goes and signs an in-state kid, and he is a Georgia kid out of Leesburg, Georgia, Lee County High School, if they're going to offer an in-state kid, you better believe he's good. And it's their dream to go play at Georgia. It didn't work out for him, and he transfers. They eventually get him cleared. It took him a little while to get up to snuff, but, um, but he's been really good this year. So we'll watch him. He's, he's number three. And, again, this is a game-changing type player, too. And so there's a reason these guys are at the top of the tackle charts. We mentioned everybody's got to have a leading tackler. All three of these guys, and, and really Mark Robinson, too, all these guys having really big years for Ole Miss. Mark Robinson, uh, 79 tackles on the year for him, another senior out of uh, Leesburg, Georgia, Lee County High School. How does that work, right? You know, so this is a veteran defense, and you can say, well, Steve, you know, that they're veterans coming from a bad defense, and that's true, but they're 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 better this year. They're not elite by any stretch, but they're better. And I think a lot of it's because they're tackling better. That was the big knock on them last year. It's like, yeah, everybody could run the football because they couldn't tackle. Well, this year they can. Everybody's gotten a little bit bigger and stronger, and of course you add some other guys to the mix, like Chance Campbell. And all of a sudden, your tackling gets better. So now instead of you being in second and short, you're in second, medium, or second long. 
Uh, Kedron Smith is another guy to kind of be mindful of, and he is down behind the gives guys a little bit there. Another DB, a senior out of West Palm Beach, Florida. Another guy that's done a lot of big things for them. You know, he's very, very active. A.J. Finley leads the team three interceptions. Kedron Smith right behind him with two. Now, you remember DeAndre Prince? He's a guy that uh, committed to Ole Miss pretty early, and then he flirted some with us, and then went to Ole Miss, left went to JUCO. And uh, because of that rule, there's the um, – if you sign with somebody and you leave, like you have to graduate in order to sign with another SEC school. Kind of like what we're going through right now um, with Kadarius Callaway from Philadelphia. You know, he signed with Alabama. He enrolled and left. And so you can't go sign with another school in January. you got to graduate and get your associate's degree. So Prince was in the same situation. And so rather he couldn't go somewhere else. So if he wanted to leave JUCO and go back to the Power Five, he had to go to Ole Miss, and he did. And it's been good for them. And you remember how good he was as a freshman at Ole Miss. A lot of people are thinking, this kid's playing as a true freshman. Then he went out there, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he led them in interceptions that year. But he's back doing a good job. Had an incredible interception last week against Vanderbilt on the sidelines. Uh, the ball, they're trying to – Mike Wright's trying to throw it away. Didn't get it far enough out of bounds. And Prince extends himself and gets a toe touchdown. And there was – they reviewed it. There was no point in reviewing. It was a beautiful play. You got to give the guy credit, an incredible effort, and he makes it happen. He also has uh, three pass breakups this year. They did bring him on some corner blitzes. So he is a guy, too, they will move around. Plays at corner, but he's not just a cover guy. He is a guy they don't mind bringing on a corner blitz, kind of changing your look a little bit. Another pass rusher you have to account for is number 33 linebacker Cedric Johnson. He's another sophomore linebacker out of Mobile. He has six and a half on the year. Only He has 26 tackles, and six and a half of those are sacks. And then he has seven quarterback hurries. You think this guy's a uh, pass rushing specialist? I would say so. So probably more of a third down type guy in third and long. But that's another guy, number 33. you got to pay attention to him. It's pretty clear this is a guy that's got one mission. Go get the quarterback. Go get the football. Uh, so let's look at a few other things here on this defense before we kind of move along here. We mentioned the total numbers and the quarterback hurries. And, you know, they're a team that has a ton of quarterback hurries, not necessarily a ton of sacks, but uh, they will get after you. They're a much more aggressive defense than they have been. Uh, look at these sack numbers, 36 on the year. That's a pretty good number, right? And then you add 46 quarterback hurries to it. You know, they're trying to influence the passing game. They're trying to force you into a mistake, uh, kind of throw things prematurely. It's phenomenal when you think about that. I mean, it really is, you know, especially as much as we pass it. They're, they're going to be able to pin their ears back a little bit. That's why you got to make those guys pay. you got to make them play defense. You can't just sit back there. And that's one good thing, I think, of the quick release of Will Rogers and those those quick uh, passes that we throw, is that you can get the ball out. Now, it's going to be a bit of a test for the offensive line, to say the least, because of all this pressure. Where's it coming from? Not to say that we're going to have, not going to have some negative plays from time to time. We will. I don't think there's any question. But this is a defense, too, that has kind of been susceptible uh, to the big play. you got to go out there and make some things happen. And you've got to get them in some obvious – situations where it's like third and short. You know, you've got to put them in a situation where they, they can't just get downhill on you. Can't, you can't get behind the chains with them. Even though we know we're going to throw it, we're going to be somewhat one-dimensional. 
it changes the route tree on third and short because you can kind of do what you want to do. You, know, you can run those little button hooks. You can run those slants. You get third and long, a lot of that's negated. So we're going to have to win on first down against this group. Uh, but, again, it, it, it is a solid group, not an elite group. Ole Miss currently 83rd in the country in pass defense. And that's not to say they played a bunch of passing offenses. Now, they played some teams earlier that had to pass out of necessity uh, because they got behind. But by and large, they played a lot of running teams and uh, given up averaging 237.6 yards per game. They've allowed 2,614. How great would it be to see that number get up around 30, 3,100? You're right. Wouldn't that be great? be a big night. Uh, but they're a team that has, uh, you know, has been susceptible to the big play for sure. Uh, they've allowed 12 – passing touchdowns and I think some of that too is because teams get in the red zone and they uh, they run the football I think that's you know when you have a team like Ole Miss that does struggle against the run you take full advantage of that and that's why I think Vandy was able to stay in the game a little bit because of their ability to run the football and so when people see that they think well Steve we got to run we got to run we got to run and I, I think maybe we run a little bit more but I don't think it'll be a bunch of wholesale changes. And I don't think we change our identity. It's not like Mike Leach has put in a bunch of running wrinkles this week. I think we'll do what we want to do. But I think there could be some run boxes that are advantageous to us that maybe Will Rogers will check into a different play uh, for us to take advantage of, especially if they're going to bail out. If they're going to bail out and kind of give us that, if they're going to drop a lot of guys in coverage, we have an opportunity. Ole Miss currently 108th in the country in rush defense, allowing 191 0.2 yards per game. So that's something you look at. I mean, obviously you look at it and say, hey, if, if Nick Fitzgerald or Dak Prescott was here and we're running his own read, well, this really works to our advantage. But, um, you know, the reality of it is, is that's just not who we are. That's not to say that we won't run it a little bit more, but it's just not the matchup. That, you know, we're strong where they're somewhat strong. And I, I hate to say that we're weak about this, but I think it's one of those deals too where, you know, we're just not designed to run the football as much as other teams are. And so when you start looking at some combined numbers, and Ole Miss had nowhere to go but up, they've been so abysmal the last couple of years. And granted, last year it was all against a complete SEC schedule. But they're 100th in total defense, 100, allowing 428.8 yards per game. And, you know, last year they were near the bottom of the the NCAA, you know, around 120, 130. They're only 130 FBS football teams, and they're 100 in total defense. So not a great defense, despite what some of the folks would suggest, because, you know, better not to be confused with good, right? I mean, I think that's how we can kind of honestly say that, is this is, a, uh, this is a defense that is improved, and they're a veteran group, and that's the thing you kind of ask yourself, what happens next year? You heard me rattle off all those names of all those seniors – you know, what happens to this group next year? You know, we're not playing them next year yet. We're playing them this week. But they're 60th in scoring defense. And they're just really behind us. You know, we're, we're at 24.73. They're at 25.36. So, while they've yielded a lot of yards, they hadn't always given up a lot of points. Now, we've had some games that we've uh, let some people kind of get away from us a little bit. And they have, too. But uh, they've won a couple more games than us. And so we'll see how things progress with them. But I like the matchup, but not to the point where I would say, hey, this is – we're going to do this. We're going to run all over them. We're going to pass all over them. 
I do think that we have an opportunity to be a little more balanced against them just because of the fact that they are so leaky against the run. And I think, you know, Jaquavius Marks is a guy that could make some things happen. DJ's still a little bit banged up, but, but he's out there making things happen. Uh, red zone efficiency defense, not very good. But around middle of the pack, right there at 61. 61. They've, uh, they've allowed nine red zone passing touchdowns, eight red zone field goals, and then 20 red zone rushing touchdowns. And that's kind of been the difference in Mississippi State's red zone conversion rate this, this second half of the year is we have been able to recognize how people are defending us in the red zone, and we've been able to run the football with uh, much better authority. So if we get down close – don't always expect that little five-yard out. We'll probably just kind of line up and, and pitch it and, and get some guys outside in space and kind of take advantage of the fact that they're not so sound in the running game. So uh, I do think that this, as I told you guys yesterday, the game is going to hinge on State's ability to stop Ole Miss. I don't think that Ole Miss can get enough stops on defense to turn the game. I think that's got to happen on Mississippi State. I think State, on the offensive side of the football, if you don't turn the football over, if you don't get out there and make all these self-inflicted penalties and get behind the chains, if you just go out there and play your game and play clean, I don't think that Ole Miss is going to be able to keep up. Now, I say that with this caveat. I think the Bulldog defense is good enough to get some stops, especially in the second half. Now, it won't surprise me in the least if it's 14 nothing after the first quarter. Ole Miss, it won't. Just because they do such a great job of scheming you up they're going to come out there and attack your deficiencies. They're going to do their film study and say, okay, well, this is what they did here. Let's run this. And they're going to run a ton of tempo. And, and Mississippi State's been practicing tempo now for a week and a half to get ready for all this, which means a lot of times you probably got to run some base defense because you know, you're not going to have time to get up there and look at the sideline for a call. you got to know. And that's part of the deal with the Ole Miss offense is once they kind of get on a roll, they don't want you to be able to substitute – they don't want you to be able to kind of set the defense. They're just ready to go. It's kind of like fast break football. They run a lot of that in the first half. They want to strike first. They want to get a lead. They want to be able to be aggressive on defense because you can play defense when you have a lead. You can be aggressive because you figure you're, you're just one play away from being tied instead of being down. And they're a team that's been exceptional in the first quarter. So we're going to have to survive that. And that's the thing, too. I think Mississippi State fans have kind of been conditioned to understand, you know what, hey, the game's not over in the first quarter. A lot of times not even over at halftime. And it's Louisiana Tech game taught us it's not even over after three quarters. So I don't doubt Mississippi State's ability to come back, but it would be nice to get off to a good start. That is one of the things that we have done, you know, down the stretch, dug ourselves a little bit of a hole. So Zach Arnett and his group, I think, you know, you've got to be able to Maybe not just play so loose. you got to get them to be aggressive because you and I both know in this ball game, the team that makes the first big mistake is usually in a lot of trouble. Most of the times, they win the ball game. So hopefully that's what we'll be able to do. We'll go out there defensively. But I do think as we saw against Auburn and as we have seen against some other teams, you know, when State gets into the halftime locker room, makes some adjustments, and of course Zach always says there's no adjustments, we just played better. Uh, you and I both know there's always some adjustments, whether they be mentally or alignment or whatever. We absolutely dominated Auburn in the second half of that ball game. Do you think that Auburn and Ole Miss have some similar offensive concepts? I do. I, I do. And I think Bo Nix and Matt Corral, while Bo may not have exactly the arm talent Matt Corral does, they're both similar quarterbacks in the respect that you have to respect their ability to run as part of the, the run game. Now, 
I've had some people tell me that Matt Corral's ankle situation is not expected to improve, that that he just needs some rest, that it, you know it's it's a week to week thing, and now he's having to play on on short rest. Uh, the guy's a competitor. He's going to give give them what he has. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of design runs unless it's down low in the red zone. You know, it's just a chance to punch it in. And so, how much does that impact the ball game? You know, does that affect his mobility in the pocket? You know, and, and one of our Jeans Page subscribers pointed out too. One of the things about Bo, I mean, excuse me, Matt Corral that makes him dangerous too, is the odd angle arm throw. You know, he's a guy that doesn't have to just kind of wind up and throw a traditional throw. He's kind of like Patrick Mahomes where. He can throw it sidearm and just kind of whip it out there to his guys. So, again, we're playing against a pro quarterback this weekend. He's not 100%, but even at you know 80%, this guy is capable of beating us. We've got to go out there and play a good ball game. I do think the Bulldog defense will get just enough stops to win this ball game. I do expect Mississippi State uh, to win this ball game, which let's go ahead and, and maybe preview uh, the games that will lead us into the, the weekend, right, because there, there's a couple of games we've got to look at. So, of course, the Thursday night game, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to pick this one 31-20, Mississippi State. I think it'll be a ball game until the fourth quarter, and I think Mississippi State will make the play to win, and then Mississippi State will be up two scores and be able to play aggressively on defense and close this thing out. So I'm picking it 31-20, Mississippi State. It'll probably be back and forth for three quarters, and I think in the end, State will be able to outscore and win the fourth quarter and ultimately win the game. Now, there's one other game before Saturday, and that's the Missouri-Arkansas game. I did say earlier in the year that I thought Missouri would have a hand in who would win the East, and, of course, nobody knew Georgia was going to be quite as dominant as they were. I, I thought they had a chance. I thought they'd lose to Clemson and then probably went out, but I didn't fully trust it. I thought Missouri would probably knock off Florida, but then when it got time to pick it, I was scared to pick it, and I don't know why I felt that way, honestly but maybe because of that leaky Missouri defense. But who knew that Beatty was going to be the back he's been? And he killed Florida. I think Arkansas, at home, with everything they're playing for and they're back in the playoff rankings at 25, which is – and listen, all due respect to them, I don't have a problem with them being there. I've got a problem with Clemson knocking us out, and that's what it kind of boiled down to. But Arkansas, same record as us. They beat us head-to-head, and they played number three, Alabama, a whole lot closer than we did. So I could make a case for Arkansas. I think Arkansas, with all they have in front of them, I think Arkansas will win the ball game. I just don't think Missouri's going to have enough. Now, Beatty could make us all look a little silly. Missouri's got a lot to play for, too. Um, but at least they know they're going to continue to play. And you may recall last year, Missouri, of course, was projected in a ball game because everybody was. And then they had to opt out. So these guys didn't get the benefit of a ball game last year. You know they're excited about it. And so I think there'll be a lift, and I think that Friday game, and that's a 2.30 game Friday, will be a lot of fun. I think a lot of people are going to watch that game on CBS and say, you know what, hey, these two teams are pretty good. I dislike Arkansas at home probably a little bit better defensively too. I think that's probably fair. And so that's your two picks. Then we'll do the rest of the conference on the Friday show. So State on Thursday, Arkansas, we're going with the home teams on these Thursday-Friday games. I want to talk about one more final Mississippi State Egg Bowl before we, uh, we break the show. Brought to you by your friends at Portico. Uh, great people, man, doing a great thing, trying to make Starkville an even better place to live. I think you're going to be excited about Portico when you guys come and check it out. One of the things that I'll share with you about Portico is that you know, the reviews that we're hearing about people talking about the proximity to campus is exactly as we intended it to be. 
it's close, it's not too close. And that's a really cool thing. You can be close to what you love, but you're not inconvenienced. You know, that, that's a really incredible thing. 1.1 miles from campus. Easy to get to. You turn off 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You've passed by there a million times on your way to campus. That takes you to your new home. Now, if you're looking to move now, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to accommodate you at Portico because phase one's all gone. Everybody's already bought them up. People have already moved in, living the good life here in Stark Vegas. But maybe if you're saying, you know what, Steve, we're just kind of getting ready. We're going to maybe go at the end of the school year. Phase two is for you. You can pick out your lot and you can have a say in the floor plan of your home. And everybody needs to do that once in their life, right? Be part of the building process. And you, plus you get it the way you want it. How many times do you move in somewhere and it's like, well, you know, it, it's all great, but we wish the kitchen was a little bit bigger. We wish this, you know, you can have some say in that. Now, it's not going to be custom homes or anything things like that. But, you know, you can kind of have some say in the layout of the house. That's a really cool thing. Brooks Bryan's involved with this group. Brooks is a great guy, man. Brooks is my friend. He's your friend, friend of Mississippi State. Uh, we'll do a good job for you because of the fact that, you know, Brooks is not just doing this anywhere. He's doing it in Starkville because he loves Starkville. Starkville's a growing area. You guys should come be a part. I don't want too many of you to come, though, because I don't want to have to wait for a table at Bulldog Burger. Um, but you guys need to come be a part of this, this great community. Many of you are, maybe you commute or whatever, and you, maybe you work in the Golden Triangle. You have easy access to 82 and 25. You avoid that traffic on 12. Give Brooks a call today, 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Portico, a cool name, a cool place. Make Portico your next move. Well, I thought long and hard about which egg ball I want to talk about. I've written about every egg ball and between Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, I have written about every Egg Bowl win for Mississippi State since 1946. They're all chronicled. I've interviewed people that played in them, observed them. Of course, the 46 Egg Bowl, that's uh, Frank Carolla, my friend Frank, one of the Delta Red Barons, did an incredible thing in 46. But I was trying to decide what I wanted to talk about. And I really thought about, okay, what about, you know, when Ole Miss came here in 2009, with Houston Nut, a lot of people said, hey, you know what, Ole Miss is on the rise and they're going to go to the Capital One Bowl. Mississippi State's not going to make a bowl game. So I thought the circumstances were somewhat similar to this year. Even though we're a lot closer to Ole Miss, we're going to be in a bowl game. And uh, I still will, will submit to you they're going to be in a better bowl game than us. And, you know, that's okay. That's okay. They're a senior-laden team in many respects, and we're a sophomore-laden team. So they're probably what you would consider a couple of years ahead of us. And the fact that we're close to them probably stings them a little bit. And if we beat them, that will show that. That's kind of what this 0-9 Egg Bowl did for us. as Dan Mullen's first year. So let's run through this one pretty quick here. You may remember this. I was there. Many of you guys were there too. Uh, Joshua Sheeney opened up the scoring 3-0 with a 26-yard field goal, a 13-play drive. Uh, the opening drive of the game. And an interesting story about Joshua Sheeney. This is back in when Ed Orgeron was kind of the lord of the internet, as they said. I think that's what Bruce Feldman dubbed him, the lord of the internet. So he had a lot of connections in the recruiting industry. And so Joshua Sheeney was not ranked. We did not have any kickers at scout.com that were ranked uh, above three-star. And then the night before signing day, Joshua Sheeney gets four stars and signs with Ole Miss. And so there, there was some star shilling going on with all that. You know, that's Ed Orgeron used to grow up for stars. All right, so then Derek DePasquale 
after we put together a nice drive, take uh, seven, nearly eight minutes off the clock, and we go down and kick a field goal to tie it. Almost identical drive. Both of them 13 plays. They were 60. We were 69. Nice. Uh, 750 for us, 706 for them. So the first quarter is exhausted basically on two possessions. It's a 3-3 game. Ole Miss takes it down on their next possession. They kick another field goal. Bulldog defense playing strong. Then we respond. Put together a great drive, nine plays, 81 yards. Anthony Dixon busts through with a touchdown there, scores from two yards out. Derek DePesquale made the extra point. Now it's a 10-6 ball game. Defense is playing good. You're just hoping we can get in the half here. Ole Miss gets the ball back with uh, three minutes, 14 seconds to go in the half, and they put a drive together. And then Jevin Sneed, God rest his soul. What a sad story that is. Jevin Sneed's a guy that um, probably should have been in the NFL. Probably made a mistake coming back. Probably did. Jevin Sneed lays one up there. Shea Hodge uh, made an incredible catch there in the end zone. The extra point is good. Now it's 13-10 going to the break. And it felt like even though we were trailing at the half, that we were right there. That's just kind of how it felt. There were a couple times we couldn't get off the field on third down, just kind of close to getting there and just couldn't get there. But we pulled even uh, with our first drive of the third quarter. We put together a seven-play, 32-yard drive after a, uh, you know, after a pretty good return there. And Derek DePasquale hits a 48-yard field goal. Um, you're pretty nice, pretty nice, to say the least. Now the game is tied at 13-all, and this is where things really begin to turn in this game. We start getting some turnovers. We start getting some, some craziness. Chris Ralph is – Tyson Lee started the game. Chris Ralph finished the game. Uh, Chris Ralph comes in and uh, hits Marcus Green, who was a converted running back out of Kemper County, became a tight end for us. Wasn't tall enough to make the league, but, man, how good was Marcus Green, even though he's beat up a lot as a senior – the guy was one of the more athletic guys on our roster. So it's a two-yard touchdown pass. We nearly bumped into each other there on that play, if you go back and watch that. So now the extra point's good. It's 20-13. to 13. We get the ball back, and uh, we're, we're backed up a little bit. We get make a couple plays, and next thing you know, um, we have that pick. I think I think it's the Charles Mitchell pick that set this up because we had the punt, and we get an interception there, and – Next thing you know, Chris is throwing it up for grabs, and out of nowhere, Chad Bumpus gets it, breaks a couple tackles, gets into the end zone and flips the football. It's one of those great plays, and you kind of had a feeling that it was the Bulldogs' day. Basically runs out the third quarter and stayed with a 27-13 lead, and it really felt like we were in great shape. Jevin Sneed still had a little something left to say, puts together a really good drive here, and then he hit a long pass to Markeith Summers. You remember Markeith Summers? out of Olive Branch High School. Didn't do much in his college career, but had a really good year back in 09. Kind of put it together late. You know, that was the year that Olive Branch had like five Division I signees on that team. That's back when they were really starting to get rolling. Marquis Summers, uh, if I remember correctly, it was basically a pass route up the hash, and he just kind of outran everybody. Now it's 27-20. Then we start running the football. We start grinding this thing out, and then Chris Ralph scores on a 10-yard run to cap an eight-play, 46-yard drive to put State back up two scores. You know what's happening next, right? If you remember the game, you know what's happening next. We put this thing away. Jevin Sneed 
drops back to pass, looks left, and Corey Broomfield baited him into the throw. Pat Patterson looks open on the out. Corey Broomfield is lagging on the play on purpose, undercuts the route, picks it off, takes it back 64 yards for an interception, touchdown return, and then he gets to the end there and he kind of juked Jevin Sneed and then he pointed at him as he went into the end zone. At that point, the ball game was over. It was 41-20 with basically half the fourth quarter gone. I guess really more than that. It's like down like five, six minutes to go in a ball game. And then they hit, you know, kind of a – a big play after that to Dexter McCluster, a 52-yard touchdown pass. And how good was he at all, Miss? Uh, Dexter, 52-yard touchdown pass to make it 41-27. as a one-play drive. But nobody even tripped. Like everybody in the Mississippi State, oh, okay, whatever. Whatever you want to do. Uh, so we went, we go to win the ball game, 41-27. We don't make a ball game. But it was so crazy, it was almost a surreal moment. Because you remember earlier in the week, Houston Nutt, had made some comments in its press conference. There was one state, there was one program in this state that was on the rise, and that was Ole Miss. Their recruiting was going well. Things were getting strong. And all of a sudden, Mississippi State wins the ball game. And I don't know how it happens. It's just like Dan Mullen's on the field, and the next thing you know, somebody hands him a hot mic, and then Dan's like, I'll tell you one thing. There is one program in this state on the rise, and it's right here at Mississippi State. And it's like at that moment, anybody that had any doubts about Dan Mullen is like, this is our coach. Now, things changed over the course of the next several years, but it was a pretty special day, and it really wasn't. Even though we weren't going to a bowl game, uh, it meant a lot to us that uh, we knocked them out of the Capital One Bowl. They ended up going to the Cotton Bowl, and uh, I believe they beat Oklahoma State. I believe that's correct. But either way, you can check with them on their bowl history. But looking at some numbers here, Mississippi State, 24 first downs. Ole Miss with just 15. Uh, rushing numbers, State runs for 317. Ole Miss just 90. State three for just 95 yards. Uh, eight of 14 passing and one interception. But Jevin Sneed, here's the big number. Three picks on the day. Gave State the short field. Total offense, State 412. Uh, Ole Miss 385. We only punted one time that day. They punted twice. We punted once. 48 yard or two. Look at some individual numbers here. It's always important. Uh, Sneed, 17 of 29, three touchdowns, three picks, one sack. Tyson Lee, five of nine for 52 and a pick. Took a couple sacks. Ralph takes over. We just go three of five. We threw it five times at Chris Ralph. I mean, it's like you see these highlights and you think Chris Ralph threw it a ton, ton of times. Guys, he threw three passes and two of them were to touchdown, for touchdowns. Marcus Green and Chad Bumpus. Anthony Dixon, a big game. 29 carries for 133 yards. Chris Ralph, 131 yards on 15 carries. Even Robert Elliott got it on the act. Four carries for 24. Chad Bumpus, your leading receiver, three for 52. You know, you're not going to have big numbers there. Uh, but this is the ball game, too, you may remember. Ole Miss had had all the controversy about the From Dixie With Love song. And there was all this angst about that. And um, the university president at the time basically – Told them they couldn't do it. They were, like, all upset with the students. And so, in the final seconds of this game, as it was over, um, this is the From Dixon Would Love deal. From Dixon Would Love. So, we trolled them a little bit there. They got back at us later. It's part of being in a rivalry. But it was a great game. It was a big moment in Mississippi State football history. And uh, gave us a lot of juice heading into 2010, which proved to be a really great season for Mississippi State. It ended with the Bulldogs winning – Uh, The Gator Bowl over Michigan. You'll never forget that one, will you? 
So there you go. This moment in Bulldog history brought to you by Portico. And uh, I love going back and talking about all these old games. I don't like talking about the ones we lost because it stings a little more, right? I mean, it's like you can talk about the Alabama games and say, oh, man, if we had just done this. But when we talk about Ole Miss, we're like, I don't really want to talk about those games we lose. It just matters more. Dave Murray said it best years ago. Dave Murray said, uh, you know, your real rival is not the team you want to beat the most. It's the team where the fear of losing actually exceeds the joy of winning. And that's probably true for both State and Ole Miss folks. And they can say what they want to. Oh, they're not our rivals. No, we're all rivals. We're, we're all rivals. And that's fine. That's fine. You can believe what you want. But uh, this is our last show before Thanksgiving. And I hope that each of you have a chance to spend time with those you love the most. That's what Thanksgiving's about. Now, I won't be able to do that. I will have two of my kids with me. And we're going to go eat with friends. And we're going to have a great day. People that I love. And uh, we're all kind of scattered out this holiday season. But uh, I love my family. I know you love yours, too. And I love our Mississippi State family. And I love all you Boneyard listeners. And I appreciate everything that you guys have done to help me have uh, this life. Because I have worked really hard. But I tell you, that's the thing. If other people don't recognize it, you, you really haven't accomplished anything. And that's something my dad told me the day that I graduated high school. He used to tell me, if you're the only person that thinks you're the best, you haven't accomplished anything. You've got to keep working. And that's something that I've always kind of stuck to. Is you just have to keep working. And I always joke with people, like if I go somewhere in town and people say, hey, um, can I have a name for your order? And I always think that just tells me i got to keep working because I want to work to the point that I no longer have to introduce myself anywhere. Uh, but listen, I love each of you. I love you and your families. And listen, whether you're a Mississippi State person or Miss Person listen to this show, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving dinner. Now, you Ole Miss folks, I hope you have a lousy evening. But I don't wish ill will on anybody. I want everybody to have a joyous, happy holiday season. And here's the deal, too. You guys know that I'm in recovery, and, and I make it a point to bring this stuff up during the holidays because sometimes people get a little too deep in the jug. Please don't drink and drive. Please don't drink and drive, whether it be Thanksgiving or New Year's or Christmas or whatever, or just the fact that you're out on holiday break. Please don't drink and drive. And not just because of the fact that you may hurt or kill another person, but you may hurt or kill yourself. We don't want any loss of life for that. Nobody else ever has to die from drinking and driving. There's just no reason for it. And so I encourage you, be responsible, have a designated driver, use an Uber, or just simply spend the night where you are. Get a hotel room, whatever you got to do. But take care of yourselves, and let's get through this thing. And, and everybody go enjoy bowl season, and uh, we'll have a lot to argue about. And I always joke with the Ole Miss people about that, too. It's like, you know, there are some people that have this malicious intent in their heart, but uh, most of it's good-spirited. There are a lot of Ole Miss people that uh, that want to troll me that I think are absolutely funny, and uh, it would be different. It would be it wouldn't be nearly as interesting if we all felt the same things, and it all attended the same schools and shared the same values. And I like things to be a little bit colorful. So I don't want any Ole Miss people to uh, to pass away prematurely either. Let's just go again. Let's go have a good ball game and watch Mississippi State win, and then uh, we've got 365 more days that we can fuss at each other. If you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. Order those books. You can find Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com. Appreciate you guys always repping the brand. But have a great and happy Thanksgiving. I'll be back on Friday hoping that we're recapping a Bulldog win. Win or lose, we're going to have a show on Friday. And uh, it's been a great week, but I'll be honest with you, I can't, I can't do this four or five days a week. It's like all day today I've been thinking i got so much to do. And I'm just to turn this thing off, and it's almost 2 in the morning, and i got to get up and uh, write a few more things tomorrow. But uh, could be some good news on the way on the recruiting trail in the next few days. Look forward to 
sharing those moments with you. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.